Resurrection, assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. Trees and full fringes. <laughs> Fat phylacteries and full fringes. Raise your hand, kids, if you think you can say that 10 times really fast. Fat phylacteries and full fringes. Fat phylacteries and full fringes. No one thinks they can do it 10 times really fast? Okay. My sermon title comes from the passage we're going to read from the Gospel of Matthew. In the passage, we're going to learn. We're going to learn about two things. How to be a good leader for Jesus and how to be a good follower of Jesus. Leaders and followers. Full phylacteries and full fringes. Wait, I said that wrong. Fat phylacteries and full fringes. You don't even know what some of those words mean, do you? Just, just you wait. I'm going to tell you all about it. Okay, Matthew chapter 23 is where we're turning. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Matthew chapter 23 verses 1 through 15 is what... We are reading. Actually, I'm just going to leave it at verse 12. Just 1 through verse 12, okay? This is what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 23. It's on page 777, which is a great page of the Bible. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad. Did you guys catch that, the word phylacteries? Phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And everyone says, Amen. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You might remember uh, the passage that we read uh, just before this last week. We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, but if you don't, let me just remind you of the basic context of this passage. Jesus is having a conversation. Well, that's not, that's not quite the right word. Uh, Jesus is having something in between a conversation and a conflict with the religious leaders. He's having, we might say, uh, a throwdown. Cindy thought that was funny. Last week we read about how, the, uh, the, the, about how Jesus challenged the religious leaders with the scriptures about, the, about his identity. He challenges them to decide who he is for themselves. We also saw him tell, that, tell, tell them that the whole law is summed up in the two love commands. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And as you might have noticed, as we read it, Jesus isn't pulling any punches. He's critical of the religious leaders. 
So let's highlight some of the things that Jesus says here in our passage for today before we get on to the practical application of what it looks like to be a good leader and what it looks like to be a good follower. You ready? Kids, are you ready? Okay, I'll take your silence as a yes. Jesus says it uh, right at the beginning. The first thing that he wants uh, to say is that people should listen to Moses. He says, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. The scribes were the people, very important people, who made sure to acquire paper. You couldn't just go buy it at the grocery store in the ancient world. You had to find paper, people who made paper. And they would go get paper in the ancient world and copy the Bible so that there would be more copies of the Bible so that people could read them in church. So the scribes were very important people. They knew how to read and how to write and how to protect books like good librarians. The Pharisees were religious leaders kind of like pastors. They led people spiritually. But what Jesus says is that they sit on the seat of Moses. In other words, they know the law of Moses. They know the life of Moses. And they know that all of the Old Testament scriptures are ultimately based on Moses. Moses is the one who God elected to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt to the edge of the promised land. Pastor Abby preached that last week, right? And Moses is the one to whom God gave the law. And without the law, the rest of the Old Testament, from the judges to the kings to the prophets, doesn't happen. So they know Moses. The scribes and the Pharisees know him. But not only do they know Moses, they teach Moses to others. And Jesus is saying what he says in order to say, hey, listen, everybody, you should listen to Moses. Is Moses paying attention at all? No. Okay. In fact, he tells the people in the passage listening to him that they should listen to the scribes and the Pharisees about Moses. He just adds at the end, you just shouldn't do what they do. Listen to what they say, just don't do what they do. So bottom line though, Jesus thinks people should listen to Moses. I said it a couple of weeks ago, so I'll say it again here real quick. Jesus was a huge fan of Moses. So much so that Jesus modeled his ministry on Moses' ministry. Jesus calls his own work an exodus. He teaches a new law on mountaintops, and he meets with his father face-to-face in clouds and in lightning. All stuff Moses did. And all of this means that we should also listen to Moses. And by that I mean we need to read the Old Testament. Of course, uh, you know, the Old Testament is the vast majority of the Bible. There's a lot of words there. We may not understand all of it because it's an ancient document originally written in a different language, under different circumstances, very different from our own. But Jesus gives us a helpful key for the Old Testament, right? I already said it, and it comes right before this passage. Jesus says that the whole law is summed up by love God and love your neighbor. So when you read the Old Testament, all the books of the Old Testament, which is most of the Bible, you can know it has something to do with love God and love your neighbor. Everything has something to do with that. So, We should all listen to Moses, right? However, 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 Jesus is still greater than Moses. 
Jesus himself makes this point. Look at verses 8 through 10. This may seem like a crazy thing for Jesus to say. You know, he says, uh, don't call anyone father except for your father in heaven. He also says, don't, let, don't call anyone teacher or instructor except me, Jesus Christ. But hear me out. Jesus is not saying that you can't call your biological or your adoptive father, father. He's not saying you can't call your dad, dad. He's also not saying that we should tell our, tell our kids that, you know, their teachers at school aren't really their teachers. Wouldn't that be great if all of you kids went to school tomorrow and you're like, my pastor said you're not my teacher. <laughs> Rather... What Jesus is saying is that he is not a teacher in the group of teachers. He's not a teacher amongst other teachers. What he's saying is that your father in heaven is not like other fathers. He's saying that if you have a group of teachers and Jesus is in, in the midst of those teachers, you listen to his voice above everyone else's voice. His teaching trumps everyone else's teaching. Jesus is saying, I'm greater than the Pharisees. He's saying, I'm greater than the scribes. He's saying, I'm greater than Joseph Lear. Jesus is saying, I'm greater than Pastor Abby. And ultimately, ultimately, Jesus is saying, I'm greater than Moses. So he's saying there's a hierarchy here. You listen to the teachers of Moses because they're supposed to, they are supposed to listen to Moses too. And you listen to Moses because, you know, I tell you to listen to Moses. Again, let's not forget that Jesus is the one who gives us the key to the law. Jesus says that the whole law is summed up in love God and love your neighbor. And we believe him. Moses didn't say that. I mean, love God and love your neighbor is in the law of Moses, but Jesus is the one who said the whole law is summed up like this. Jesus did it. And so we obey Jesus by interpreting Moses the way Jesus told us to interpret him. And this is a lesson for all of us. So I want to make this really clear. When you read the Old Testament, you got to read it like Jesus is everything. You can't read the Old Testament as if Jesus doesn't matter or never existed. You can't read it like that, otherwise you're not reading it like a Christian. We read everything in the Old Testament in light of Jesus. That's really important, by the way, because it has massive ramifications for how we ought to be Christians. Because, you know, the Old Testament says, don't eat shrimps. Right? But Jesus says we can eat shrimps. Who are we going to listen to? I'm going to listen to Jesus. So listen to Jesus first, then listen to Moses, and we can rely on teachers to help us understand both of them. But Jesus is greater than us all. I could stop the sermon there, but I promise you some other things. So this brings me to the stuff about being a good leader and a good follower. So pay attention because... This is where we're talking about fat phylacteries and full fringes. Jesus is critical of the religious leaders. He says that people should listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. That's, uh, 
a really salty thing to say, isn't it? But Jesus digs in. He calls them hypocrites because they lay heavy burdens on people and then they don't help people carry those heavy burdens at all. And of course, all that means that they aren't carrying the burdens that they insist on pushing on others. And not only that, but they're making a big show of how important and how religious they are. And they insist that everyone play along with them by giving, you know, giving them you know, the best seat in the house and giving them all sorts of public recognition. This is where Jesus says they've got their fat phylacteries and full fringes. A phylactery box, by the way, let me explain it, is, that, uh, is a box that Jewish leaders would wear on their body and they would have the law written on a small piece of paper. And they would keep it on their body or put it on their body semi-frequently as a way of showing that they, were, they carried the law with them wherever they went. They were intimate with the law. And the fringes refer to the fringes on their religious clothing. The longer, the more obvious they were, you know, in the, indicating that their prayer shawl was fancy, beautiful, and in constant use. Jesus is put off by all of this. Let's just imagine this in our own church, okay? I want you to imagine that I came to church next week and I was in an all-white Louis Vuitton suit. And I was wearing a giant wooden cross around my neck, almost as big as that one on the wall. My suit is completely white, but I intentionally left some brown and green stains on my white suit right on my knees just to indicate that I've been kneeling in prayer outside in the grass and the dirt. And you all know that's what I've been doing. And then I start talking about how I haven't eaten in three days because I've been fasting a very spiritual fast. As I go around the church talking to all of you, I strongly imply that you should also be wearing white, fancy outfits, and that you should be fasting, and that you should be kneeling in the grass to pray every morning like me. But you know, I'm not going to come pray with you. You got to do it all by yourself. And I'm not going to be there if your knees are a little older than mine and you struggle to stand back up. I'm also not going to help you buy your fancy new clothes. I'm just going to tell you, you got to do it if you want to be religious. And I'm not going to encourage you in your fast. You're on your own for all that. I don't care how many long hours you got to work. Stop eating. And then I say that all of you need to, from here on out, refer to me only as the Reverend Doctor. Abby's about to finish her master's degree, so you all got to call her Magister which is master in Latin. I mean, you all would find this pretty distasteful, right? Kind of like how Jesus found the fat phylacteries and the full fringes of the Pharisees off-putting. Did you guys like that one? The fat phylacteries and full fringes of the Pharisees were off-putting. It's all for show. It's all fake. It's all self-importance. But here's the key, right? That all the while, I might do all these things. I could show up in a Louis Vuitton suit, all white and beautiful, except for my knees, because I've been praying. 
and I can still stand in the pulpit here and tell you, love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Self-important preachers can still preach a good word, right? Hypocrites can still give great advice. Which is why we all need to watch out for this. Because we can hear something good from a pastor on a Facebook clip or on a YouTube video and think, wow, that's a good word. And because that good word is associated with a very shiny suit and a Botox-filled face and a Rolls-Royce, we start thinking that being a good Christian means you'll get rich on accident, by implication, because sometimes even rich preachers have a good word. But watch out for them because those same pastors who sometimes have a good word will ask you to give the biggest offerings in a promise to make you rich like them. But they are themselves not giving big offerings now, are they? Thank you. So how should you be a good leader? We can sum it all up here, but uh, we can't sum it all up here, I should say, but there's something definitely from this passage we need to highlight, and this, that's this. Remind yourself, if you're a leader of anything, remind yourself and remind others routinely that you were not greater than Moses, which means you're definitely not greater than Jesus, because even Moses wasn't greater than Jesus. So uh, let me just say that real quick. Church, I, the reverend doctor, am not greater than Moses. Abby, Pastor Abby, doesn't think that about herself either, which means neither of us are greater than Jesus. We don't have special access to God. We're not the exclusive interpreters of Jesus, even though God has called us to preach Christ and him crucified. I'm kind of a scribe. You know, I studied Greek in seminary and in my doctoral degree. I can read ancient manuscripts like the scribes could. But we all have the Holy Spirit as the church, amen? amen. I have a role to play and so do you. God has called pastors to preach Christ and him crucified. But it's not just that. Leaders are also supposed to say that they're not greater than those they lead. So we're not greater than Moses. We're also not greater than any of you. Jesus says that the greatest among you will be your servant. In other words, if you teach Sunday school, you're not greater than the kids. You're their servants. You're serving them by teaching them about Jesus. If you're a parent, you're not greater than your children. You're their servant. They are supposed to honor you as their mother and father. Amen? Amen. But you are called to live up to that honor by always reminding them that though they call you father, your, their true father is in heaven who called them by name at their baptism or will call them by name at their baptism if they have not yet been baptized. Leaders serve and they serve to point those they serve to Jesus. Jesus. So that's what it looks like to be a good leader. You always, always, always say that Jesus is greater than you are. And you say to people, follow me as I follow Christ.
Parents, say to your children, follow me as I follow Christ. Shift managers, general managers, and business owners ought to say, follow me as I follow Christ. That's right. You can bring all of this to the workplace with you and show your bosses and your employees a glimpse of Jesus and they'll think it's great because he's the greatest. Unless they've got demons, then they'll probably scream at you. Finally, I promised you that we would talk about what it means to be a good follower. Here's how to be a good follower. Kids, listen up. Here's how to do it. You need to always, always, always look through and beyond your leader to see Jesus. Kids, look for Jesus. Moses, look for Jesus. Look for Jesus in all that your parents do. They're trying to show Jesus to you, okay? Look for Jesus in all of your Sunday school and church leaders, too. We pastors, we're trying to show Jesus to all the kids. Grandma Cindy's trying to show Jesus to all the kids. There's a few others of you who are doing that, too. More than a few. Look for Jesus in your pastors. I already said that. Look for Jesus in all that your school teachers do, too. Listen, uh, we, won't, we adults aren't always going to show Jesus perfectly, right? I'm a pastor, and I'm still a sinner. So kids and teens, you've got to honor your mother and your father because Jesus tells you to, but do it because Jesus tells you to. I know some of you think that's a really heavy burden but we're here to help you carry the load, all right, kids? To be a good leader is to lead others to Jesus. To be a good follower is to follow Jesus through our leaders who are following Jesus. You don't need fat phylacteries and full fringes to do either of those. Amen? This meal we're about to eat is not the body and blood of a celebrity pastor on YouTube. This meal we're about to eat is not the body and blood of Moses. This meal that we're about to eat, over which we're going to pray, is going to be the body and blood of Jesus because he is the greatest, because he is the only one who died and rose again for our sakes. He is the greatest because he became a servant and served all of us. He saved us when he could have saved himself instead. Let's remember his example, and let's remember him. Amen? All right, let's pray over this meal, and then we'll eat together.